coming up this hour. We're going to talk more about the coronavirus, and then we're going to hear from John Ross and Kelly Skiles. You are listening to The Common Good. Hey everybody, welcome to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Glad to have you joining us today. And uh, it is yet another day where we are home figuring out this new normal. But we're glad that you're joining with us today. Hopefully what we do provides you uh, a good break from your normal routine here. You can always find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show, on Twitter at Common Good Talk. Uh, Find us online at 1160hope.com and get our podcast, wherever it is you get your podcast, uh, subscribe, rate, and review. How are you doing today, man? Uh, Another day, uh, another day, uh, the same things going on. (laughs) What day? Yeah, what day is it? I don't even know anymore. I actually thought about that. I said, wait, no, it's Tuesday. I got it. (laughs) I was was talking with someone earlier today and she was like, I have to just write what day it is above my laptop just to remind myself. (laughs) what day it is like it feels like um you know how casinos don't have any clocks and they yes they're pumping oxygen in there and there's no windows uh yes it feels like that without the cocktails you know what i mean (laughs) it does and uh talk about the longest month ever today's march 31st uh i was looking at what did i do on march 1st and it feels like six months ago so I did see a bunch of people posting uh, a meme and it said something like, hey, just so you know, today is the 92nd of March. (laughs) (laughs) I did see that. (laughs) Uh, So uh, we're going to talk some more about what's been going on today, catch you up a little bit. But before we do that, uh, we're uh, excited to be doing something uh, good here at AM 1160. You know, during the coronavirus pandemic, we know that so many businesses have had to close their doors or reduce their hours. And we know that there are still many businesses that are open and serving the public as best they can. So here's what we want to do. If you own or run a business that's open and operating, we want to help you get the word out. So right now, go to 1160hope.com slash open for business. That's all one word, 1160hope.com slash open for business. Fill out the brief form and we'll be compiling all of that information and sharing it with our listeners. And here's what's really what we're excited about. It's totally free. No catch. Go to 1160hope.com slash open for business. Just trying to do what we can to help our listeners, help anyone out there who's struggling. Pretty cool thing, huh, man? Yeah, I love that we're doing that. I think that is, uh, it's the kind of innovation that I've seen a lot of churches and organizations, you know, obviously not every innovation is good. We'll probably look back on this two, three years from now and be like, I can't believe that. I thought that was a good idea, but I love, (laughs) I mean, I'm, and again, we can say this because this wasn't our idea. (laughs) Like Brian and Ian didn't come up with this, but I'm grateful for the, uh, the higher ups here at AM 1160 that have thought strategically about how, how can we really love our neighbors and neighborhood? And I think this is, this is just one way to do that. Absolutely. So uh, in the news, in the coronavirus news today, um, oh, the schools and uh, in Illinois, at least my kids' school, and I think it's statewide now, have now been shut until May the 1st. So uh I'm not exactly sure if that's all schools right now or just my kid's school, but I saw that and and that was not at all a surprise, but yet again, another thing that kind of makes me feel, you and I were talking a little bit about this off air, makes me feel a little bit like we are really in for a longer haul than what we had thought originally. 
Yeah, I, I think a lot of people are feeling that way, to be honest. Yeah, and so I think that's going to have an obvious effect on churches where we, you know, a couple of weeks ago we were going, hey, well, let's keep planning for Easter. Maybe we'll be back together for Easter. And uh, yeah, now at least May 1st, and I was watching CNN today, and uh, it, let's just say it feels a little longer than that, than what it may be. Uh, President Trump is expected to formally unveil his new guidelines, and stuff still keeps going really uh, uh badly in New York City. Um, but then you see little rays of good news. And I think it feels like you and I have continually wanted to kind of point out these things about good news. Um, you know, Samaritan's Purse set up a mobile hospital in Central Park. You saw the Navy ship uh, that came, I think it was a Navy ship, or at least a ship that came and is housing patients in New York. So there is still, you don't want to minimize uh, the bad news and the heavy news, but it is kind of nice to see these rays of light of humanity in amongst the struggle. Yeah, I think you're right. I think we've done a, we've tried to be intentional at least about incorporating throughout the show. You know, it's interesting because it's always a, it's a fine needle to thread, right? Like we want to treat all of this with the appropriate gravity and weightiness but to also not get totally submerged in that. But we also don't want to be irreverent and just be business as usual either because for the rest of that, we disingenuous. Like it's not business as usual. And there are these really heavy, weighty, in some cases like horrific realities. So right. if, you th- if you think about tossing up a prayer for us, we would take it because threading this needle is, uh, is not, not an easy task. And there's not really any rule books either. Like you and I right. are still kind of new at this in general. And the people that I've talked to who have done stuff like this for much longer, they're sort of like, yeah, I'm making it up as I go along too, man. <laughs> it's, it's a new reality for all of us. So we're just kind of prayerfully, hopefully navigating in the, uh, in the days and weeks to come with, with some level of like spiritual sensitivity and, and waiting this, but also, you know, coming up for air every once in a while. That's right. That's right. With, in mind of coming up for air, uh, the mayor of Chicago gave her press conference today, something she's doing on a daily basis. And, and it just kind of ended in a bit of an endearing way. So listen to like the last two minutes here uh, of the mayor of Chicago's uh, uh, press conference today. And mayor, my last question, hopefully this puts a smile on your face. Those memes. <laughs> I, lo- I listened to you this morning and you had such a lighthearted response about it. Any any. Any comment for us on what you've been seeing and if you have a favorite one that you've come across? Well, there, there are a number that, that, I, that I like well, um, and we've been having fun with it, uh, my wife and my daughter and I. But, like, look, I think this is a really intense situation, um, and we all need to find the humor. Uh, and from humor stems hope. And I know from my experiences over my life that when you have hope, you can heal. Hope is the thing that gets you up in the morning and propels you uh, over the course of the day. And we need that hope. We need to have that sense um, that even in this dark storm, there's light. And really, I think, to me, what the memes say and the fun, I think, that people are having with them. And as you know, yesterday we launched um, our own PSAs, uh, poking fun, but um, really emphasizing the importance of staying home to save lives. And the overwhelming response that we've received 
like with the response to the memes, means to me that people are hungry for something to hang on to, something that will take their mind off of the stress and fear that I think people are legitimately feeling in this time like no other in our lifetime. So I'm happy uh, to be uh, my, doing my small part uh, to look out for our city because that's what I feel every day. My job is to make sure that we are doing everything we can to make this city safe. Um, but also others who really just know, need to know their mayor hears them, um, sees them, and cares about them. And I want people to know that I'm working tirelessly seven days a week to make sure that we get through this and that we heal and that there's light at the other end of the tunnel. Thank you. Thank you all very much. It was kind of nice there to hear her go kind of laugh a little bit, like everyone's so serious and needing to be so serious. I can't imagine the pressure that the mayor, the governor, the the president are under right now. It was kind of nice to see that smile on her face and a little yeah. bit of a laugh. Yeah. The idea that humor brings hope too. I don't, yeah. you know, we've talked about comedians being like modern day prophets, but also I think in some sense of the word, humor has a way of like helping us see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I think, I think she's spot on. Maybe we'll dedicate a whole segment to that later sometime. Yeah, absolutely. So thankful for the work she's doing, uh, the governor's doing, the president's doing, and uh, mostly by uh, just you individuals out there uh, loving on one another. Well, coming up next, we've been wanting to hear other voices from the area. Uh, We're going to do that next with John Ross. He's a filmmaker that we've had on the show before. Uh, We're going to hear from him. Uh, giving us some encouragement as we continue through this coronavirus pandemic. That's coming up next year on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Glad to have you joining us on this Tuesday afternoon. If you've been with us over the last week or two, one of the things that we've been trying to do is have some voices, some other voices of pastors and ministry leaders, just people that we respect, uh, kind of try to give some encouragement as we all navigate our way through this coronavirus pandemic. Uh, And so uh, we asked John Ross to share. Ian, can you remind us? uh, He's a friend of yours. Can you remind us who John Ross is? Yeah, I mean, first off, he's just an all-around great dude. Just to say that out loud. I know sometimes yeah, people, people will ask us about people we've interviewed, like, yeah, it was a great interview, but how are they as a person? John Ross, in fact, his whole family, they're just like the real deal. So I just want to first say that because I just appreciate him and his heart and his posture. He's a filmmaker. He's got an organization called Somebody's Nobody, and he's done a lot of a lot of cool things. In fact, maybe we'll link his previous interview to the the page as well because it's just a fascinating life and he talked a lot then about um how do you kind of continue to chase after the the dream that god has put in your heart um but in a way that's like really honest in a way that's really honoring to god and to the people around you and uh he shared some audio about how do we face fear in the midst of uncertainty like everyone's going to handle these things differently yeah and we're seeing this on social media obviously um, but as someone who's a filmmaker, but also I think at his core, he's a storyteller. I think he has like some really unique wisdom and perspective in how we can actually navigate these sort of uncharted territories together. And I just, yeah, I'm really grateful for his wisdom. That's awesome. So let's hear from John Ross right now. Hi, my name is John Ross, and I just wanted to offer you some words of encouragement as we go through this very difficult and challenging time in our world. With all that's on the news and the coronavirus outbreak, it has left us 
turned upside down with the economy going crazy, uh, with the uncertainty of when this all is going to end. Um, and just a lot of fear because this is uncharted territory for a lot of us. This is probably one of the biggest events that we will face in our lifetime. And it can leave a lot of fear for a lot of us. And being very transparent, I can say that I even had my moment a couple of days ago where it felt like I was overwhelmed with fear. I was sitting at home with my children after a weekend of just kind of watching all the news that is going on and watching all the reports that is on social networking. And I just I was overcome with fear. And it wasn't until I had me a cup of tea and did some yoga and just listened to the word of God and positive affirmations that I began to calm down. But it's in that moment that I realized that people needed to hear a transparent word from from somebody right now. Uh, And here I am coming to tell you that I am no different, that even though that I've had successes in my life and, and for the most part, I felt like, you know, God has really been in a blessing game for me. I still had the human realization that I was not in control and that totally frightened the living fabrics of who I am as a person. And I know some of you may be feeling the same thing right now, where you thought one day that you had job security and the next day it's gone because of the, uh, the epidemic that we're going through. Or whether if it's not that, the children being at home and having to reschedule everything that you're doing to be there and homeschool your children during this time. Or it's figuring out how you're going to feed your family when the grocery stores, the shelves are not stocked like they used to. Everything about this is uncharted and unknown and and not knowing the ending of it, it can bring a lot of panic that is there. And it can also bring you to the realization that we are not in control. And that is a very sobering mindset and reality to kind of accept right now. But I just want to give you words of encouragement and let you know that everything is going to be all right. God is still in control. God is still on his throne and God will work the situation out for your good. You just have to make up in your mind that you're going to get on your knees and you're going to pray and you're going to prepare an expectancy for the things that God is going to do after all this is done. And so during this season, I challenge you to take the warnings very seriously. So when it comes to social distancing, you know, sterilizing your hands, uh, just making sure that we just do what we should have been doing in the first place, which is just cleaning up after ourselves and making sure that we're being very sanitary. Those are very important in this season. Also during this time, take more time to spend with God. A lot of times our lives are so busy and filled with to do's. And now we're in the season of where the to do is to stay at home. Well, staying at home doesn't mean just binge watch on TV. It can also mean taking time to spend in your word and to spend on your knees praying to the Heavenly Father that knows the future, that knows when this is going to end, knows how it's going to play out for you. Get in your word and get on your knees. And lastly, plan for the things God has promised you. Those promises are not gone out the window just because the world has gone haywire. Though the world has gone haywire, God is not gone haywire. He's still in control. His promises are still in effect. You just have to prepare for those things. So take the time out. And if it's a book that God has given you, write that book. If it's a movie script that God has given you, write that movie script. If it's uh, public speaking that God has called you to do, get on Instagram or get on Facebook Live and, and go out there and, and speak that word that God has given you. Whatever it may be, go after it in, with all of your heart and your soul. 
Remember this. God does some of his most amazing work in the most toughest times. Key examples, the children of Israel, um, with the, the, the Red Sea parted for them. It was out of slavery that happened. Or when Jesus fed the 5,000, or when he healed the sick, or when he gave sight to the blind, those were all going through difficult times in those people's lives, and God stepped in, and he worked a miracle for them. The Word of God says God is the same today and forevermore. So if he can do it then, he will do it now, and he's going to do it in the future. God is in control. God is here for you, and God is fighting on your behalf. Rest tonight knowing that God is in control and everything that God has promised you is still going to happen. You all have a good one. You weren't kidding, man. Full of wisdom. What jumped out from your friend John Ross there? Yeah, I think for me, it comes down to the word expectation, like expecting God to move. And I know that a lot of us, at least in a cerebral sense, we expect God to move. But if we're really honest, like our behavior says something different, you know, and I'm not saying don't still take precautions and still comply with God. Like, please keep doing all of that. But at least for me, sometimes I'm a little ashamed at how, how infrequently sometimes I expect God to like really show up to really move. And I, and I like what he talks about when it comes to expectation. And I think expectation is probably most potent in the midst of uncertainty. You know, Mm -hmm. if it's like, if it's a sure thing, well, then expectation doesn't have quite the same punch. But when you're kind of in the midst of the fog, man, that's where like expectation and faith and leaning more on God, I think is, is really important. I think, I think he encapsulated that really well. Absolutely. I love that. Rest on the fact that God is working. So expect him to work and rest in the fact that he is working. It could be hard to think right now with all that we're seeing and all the bad news, uh, it can be hard to remember God's still present and at work. Like right now, kind of a, a feeling I'm betting a lot of people are feeling is like, where's God in this? Did God Is God kind of asleep at the wheel here? And so I thought John's reminder is to rest on the fact that God is still working and expect God to move and work through this, I think is is helpful, but also really powerful. Yeah, I also think, I forget who said it. I think maybe it's Barbara Brown Taylor said something like, we haven't, Lot, we haven't lost control. We've lost the illusion that we were, we were ever in control in the first place. Mm, that's powerful. Like, I think that is such an important theological idea for us to really wrestle with that a lot of what we're feeling is lack of control, right? And that's understandable. That's, I think fear is a natural response to that. But to the, to the notion though, that like, no, we've lost the illusion that we were in control in the first place, I think is something that I, I want to continue to grapple with myself. That's really good. So that's thanks to John Ross. Uh, really good stuff there. We are grateful for him. Well, coming up next, uh, N.T. Wright wrote an article for Time Magazine that we're going to talk about next here about coronavirus, lament, and Christianity. That's coming up next here on The Common Good, AM 1160. Hope for your life. Welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Thank you for being here on this Tuesday afternoon. You can find us a couple different places. You can find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show. You can find us on Twitter at Common Good Talk. Uh, you can find us online at 1160hope.com and Podcast World. Wherever it is you get your podcast, subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, we are grateful for those of you uh, uh, those of you who already do that. Uh, can you ask Alexa, Brian? Is that a thing you can I do? I think you can. I how, should go, 
How are you quarantined in I'm your busy. house? I'm busy. I just got a lot of busyness going on. <laughs> and you still haven't asked Alexa. People are like, this is a bit. Surely this is a bit, right? It's not. It's not a bit, everybody. Not at all. Surely this is a bit. Uh, How many feet are you from Alexa right now? Right now, I have to go down some stairs. <laughs> so in the double digits of feet from your Alexa? Yes, I'm in the double digits, yes. <laughs> I, I don't know how big your mansion was. I wasn't sure. Well, you know, in this radio money, I'm just adding wings. I can't keep up with the wings I'm adding <laughs> I'm right adding now. adding <laughs> wings. Golly. This really backfired. Uh, <laughs> uh, we are, we're glad to be able to help you laugh, but also help try to process what we as individuals and as the church is going on through this coronavirus pandemic. With that in mind, at Time, at Time.com, none other than N.T. Wright. N.T. Wright is the professor of New Testament and early Christianity at the University of St. Andrews, uh, a senior research fellow at Wycliffe Hall and Oxford University, the author author of over 80 books. Uh, Good question. Has he written more books than I've read in the last five years? Is probably the question. <laughs> I'm going to say the answer is probably yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but he went, uh, they had him write and contribute at time. And he wrote an article entitled this, Christianity offers no answers about the coron- coronavirus. It's not supposed to. Well, tell us more about this, man. Okay. Before I do that, I just first want to say, if you've not heard of N.T. Wright, oh, gosh. Uh, just go ahead and buy whatever first book shows up after a Google search and read it. Right. Like I'm just that confident. N.T. Wright, there are very few people who have influenced, at least personally, my theology and leadership and pastoral makeup than N.T. Wright. So highly recommend you checking him out. Also, he's got a British accent. So if you want to watch some videos before you commit, uh, I also recommend that, but I'm just going to read some of this article and then I'll, uh, I'll stop somewhere. We'll figure it out. But I, the article itself is really good. So he writes, for many Christians, the coronavirus induced limitations on life have arrived at the same time as Lent, the traditional season of doing without. But the sharp new regulations, no theater, schools shutting, virtual house arrest for us over 70s makes a mockery of our little Lenten disciplines. Doing without whiskey or chocolate is child's play compared with not seeing friends or grandchildren or going to the pub, the library, or church. There is a reason we normally try to meet in the flesh. There is a reason solitary confinement is such a severe punishment. Mm. And this Lent has no fixed Easter to look forward to. We can't tick off the days. This is a stillness, not of rest, but of poised, anxious sorrow. No doubt the usually silly suspects will tell us why God is doing this to us. A punishment, a warning, a sign. These are knee-jerk, would-be Christian reactions in a culture which, generations back, embraced rationalism. Everything must have an explanation. But supposing it doesn't, supposing real human wisdom doesn't mean being able to string together some dodgy speculations and say, so that's all right then? What if, after all, there are moments such as T.S. Eliot recognized in the early 1940s when the only advice is to wait without hope because we'd be hoping for the wrong thing? Mm. I just think that in general, and maybe that's clear now why I appreciate his writing so much. Let me read just a little bit more. Yeah. Does rationalists, including uh, Christian rationalists, want explanations? Romantics, including Christian romantics, want to be given a sigh of relief. But perhaps what we need more than either is to recover the biblical tra- tradition of lament. Lament is what happens when people ask why and don't get an answer. It's where we get to when we move beyond our self centered worry about our sins and failings and look more broadly at the suffering of the world. 
it's bad enough facing a pandemic in New York City or London. What about a crowded refugee camp on a Greek island? What about Gaza or South Sudan? At this point, the Psalms, the Bible's own hymn book, come back into their own just when some churches seem to have given them up. Be gracious to me, Lord, praise the sixth Psalm, for I am languishing. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are shaking with terror. Why do you stand far off, O Lord? Ask the tenth Psalm plaintively. Why do you hide yourself in time of trouble? And so it goes on. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Psalm 13. And all the more terrifying because Jesus himself quoted it in his agony on the cross. My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? So I'll, I'll stop there because this yeah. is a topic you and I have delved into a number of times throughout the last 14 months, but certainly right. in the last two weeks. What stands out to you about Wright's particular perspective and posture here? Oh, it's so good. And uh, this taking, you know, we've talked a bunch about lament and the need for it, but holding it up against um, romanticism or just this need for an explanation. Yeah. Uh, and, I, I tend to be that way. I'm a genuinely optimistic person who likes to be able to wrap things up in a bow, right? Like you like to be able to explain. Uh, but I found myself frustrated when people are like, well, God's teaching us this by do no, I don't think that's what's going on. Like uh, this, this need for an answer and to be able to wrap everything up. I sense it in myself, but I surely sense it in other people. And so I really appreciate right going, you know, now's the time to, to, um, to lament and to learn that and to learn that we're not in control. And, um, and I think that's so hard for us, but something like this, if we're honest with ourselves, there's no other way to really uh, categorize it. Hmm. I like what he says here too. He says the point of lament woven thus into the fabric of the biblical tradition is not just that it's an outlet for our frustration, sorrow, loneliness, and sheer inability to understand what is happening or why the mystery of the biblical story is that God also laments. Some mm. Christians like to think of God as above all that, knowing everything, in charge of everything, calm and unaffected by the troubles of this world. But that's not the picture we get in the Bible. God was grieved to his heart. Genesis declares over the violent wickedness of his human creatures. He goes on to talk about when Paul writes about the, the Holy Spirit groaning on our behalf. We talk about Jesus uh, weeping at the tomb of Lazarus. And then this is how he ends. He says, it is uh, no part of the Christian vocation then to be able to explain what's happening and why. In fact, it is part of the Christian vocation not to be able to explain and to lament instead. As mm. the Spirit laments within us, so we become, even in our self-isolation, small shrines where the presence and healing love of God can dwell. And out of that, there can emerge new possibilities, new acts of kindness, new scientific understanding, new hope, new wisdom for our leaders. Now there's a thought. Mm. And I just think that's so timely and so um, it's to me borderline prophetic. There's a lot yeah. of a lot of the stuff that he writes, you know, also kind of in the vein of Walter Brueggemann and Wendell Berry and the like. There's just something about someone as studied and accomplished and researched as him speaking to like this moment right here and now that to me. I've read this a couple of times now because it just sort of feels like it's cutting through the noise That's right. of sensationalism or hyper explanation or all those things. There's just something about the wisdom of someone who's been, it's again, like that long obedience in the same direction. Here's right. someone who's walked the talk for a long time. And, and uh, I'm probably going to read this one a couple more times before the week is over. No doubt. I mean, that, that go-to line that you just read are two lines. It is no part of the Christian vocation to be able to explain what's happening and why. In fact, it is part of the Christian vocation not to be able to explain and to lament instead. I just, 
I, I think that's so true. And I think that we generally do not do well at that. We want to explain everything, right? Uh, whether it be a pandemic or whether it be why a kid got cancer or why, whatever else we, especially Western uh, Christians tend to like to try to explain things to make us and hopefully other people feel better. Yeah. And so I, that's the line that's going to be ringing for me. Like it's maybe it is part of the Christian vocation, not to be able to explain, hmm. but to lament instead. I think that holds such power. Yeah, yeah I totally agree. And so uh, you can find that at our Facebook page, uh, the common good radio show. We would really encourage you to read that. And uh, you can get that there. Well, coming up next, we're going to hear another voice. Kelly Skiles, uh, pastor at Soul City Church, is going to come and try to give us some encouragement in during this coronavirus. That's coming up next here on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Uh, well, during this coronavirus pandemic, one of the things we've been trying to do is to have new voices. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to get to hear from Kelly Skiles, a pastor at Soul City Church in Chicago. But before we do that, Ian, why don't you tell us a little bit about Thrivent? Yeah. Okay. Let me just shoot you straight. First off, Thrivent's, <laughs> Thrivent's awesome. I've been a Thrivent member a long time. They're a Fortune 500 nonprofit. They've been around like over 100 years, which tells you something. Yeah. The other thing is a lot of people right now, I think are seriously considering a career change of some kind. A lot of us maybe either forced or the very least, this is like kicked up some unrest in you. Either way, I want to recommend you at least give them a shot because it might be a really great fit. If you are entrepreneurial or you like coming alongside and helping people with their finances or just making life decisions, you can learn more at thrivent.com slash careers. That's thrivent.com slash careers. Or you can pick up your phone and call them, 630-598-2128. That's 630-598-2128. And uh, I don't think you'll regret doing it. It's a really great organization, really great company, and uh, might just be the move that you need to make. Absolutely. Well, as we said, Kelly Skiles, uh, a pastor at Soul City Church. Let's listen to Kelly's uh, encouragement for us in the midst of all that we're going on right now. Well, hey, everyone, this is Kelly Skiles from Soul City Church out in the West Loop of Chicago. And like you, our church is just figuring out how do we become an online church uh, in a matter of days. And it's been quite the pivot, as I know many of you can attest for in your own personal life and in your church life. Uh, But a quote that I read last week that has been encouraging for me and a challenge for me also is from David Benner. He writes, the biggest challenge I face in being present for others is being still within my own soul. Stillness is the precondition of presence. I must first be still to myself if I am to be still with another. And of course, I must learn to be still before God if I am to learn to be still in myself. And so there have been days this week where I have done a really good job of that, of being still with God and being still with myself and pastoring out of a place from that. There's other days that have not been as successful um, but it's it's my target. It's what I'm aiming for that amidst all the anxiety and stress that I would be anchored in my soul to God in a way that is so real and tangible to me, but also tangible to the people around me that I love. 
Um, some of the things that we are doing at Soul City that I'm so proud of um, and encouraged by. First, we are doing daily prayer and worship. You know, our staff, we meet every Monday morning for prayer and worship. And so when this all happened, we thought, let's just invite the world into what we normally do anyway. And so every day, 1030 a.m. on Facebook and Instagram Live at Soul City Church is our handle. We have been um, just ministering to people. We've been worshiping together. We've been having people comment in their prayer requests and just praying for them right there. We have our prayer team that's interacting with them, our whole staff covering people in prayer. So that has been so encouraging. We also designed a new workshop called Skills and Support. And those happen every day virtually over Zoom, facilitated by a therapist from Soul City or one of our well-trained care leaders. And they just have a space um, for people to just show up with whatever is real, whatever is going on for them in that day. And then they also share some skills with them of how to navigate this season um, in a more anchored way, in a, in a way that's more rooted to God. So we've loved that. Um, and then another thing that I want to talk about that we are doing is just putting our benevolence front and center. So we want to make sure that all the people of Soul City Church know that we are here for them and that we have financial resources to serve them. And so before in our website, that was a little uh, pushed back. Now it is literally like a pop-up on the front page. And we've made sure that all of our small groups, all the people of Soul City Church know that we want to serve them and meet them in this way. And then for our larger Chicago community, we are partnering with uh, Breakthrough Urban Ministries in East Garfield Park, a longtime partner of Soul City Church, to help them with critical supplies. You know, they are still, their food pantry is open. They have more people than ever coming through. They have after-school programs and overnight shelters, and they're seeing an increase in the amount of people that they're serving. And so they have an increase for uh, the products that they need to be able to serve them, you know, things like hand sanitizer and um, all the all the preventative gloves and masks and things like that. And so our church is doing a supply drive every Wednesday uh, starting this week. We'll do it as many Wednesdays as we need it. So uh, from 8 to 8, people from the community can drop off supplies in a no-touch drop-off, and we will deliver those to Breakthrough so that they can serve their community. Uh, so if you want to know anything uh, anything more about what I talked about, you can check it all out at soulcitychurch.com. But for everyone listening, my prayer is that in the midst of all that is turning and all that is swirling amongst us, that we would be rooted in the love of God that is unchanging uh, despite our circumstances. What did you think of what Kelly had to say there? What stood out for you? Well, a couple of things. First, I'm glad uh, for the shout out to Breakthrough Urban Ministries, Breakthrough with Arloa and uh, my friend Kirsten Strand and a whole lot of others. They're, they're just doing incredible work in the world. If you're not familiar with Breakthrough uh, Ministries, check them out. Um, but I also, I've been convicted by how many people have said something like what she was talking about, about pastoring in the midst of stillness. Like so often, at least in my mind, maybe this is my Enneagram 3, like pastoring is always something I have to do. It's like me coming alongside somebody or me accomplishing something or writing something or dreaming something up. It's a lot of action. And that's been kind of an Achilles heel for me, I think for a while. But the idea in this season of pastoring via the stillness, mm. um, but, but still being present for other people, you know, that's a, that's a tricky balance, you know? And, you know, I had a mentor years ago that said something like, you can't really 
give what you don't have. So if you're not taking time to be still, to really receive from the Holy Spirit, to listen, to be formed and enriched, you're going to be a pretty terrible pastor. And mm-hmm. I, I remember for some reason, and I'm sure I'd heard sentiments like it before, but the way he said it or the timing of when he said it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Like stop trying to just be Ian Simpkins, the pastor and be someone who's like formed and filled by the Holy spirit. And let mm-hmm. that be what, what pours out of you, even in, you know, this digital space that we find ourselves in. So I, I think Kelly's brilliant. I think she's, she just has, she's so gifted at so many things which makes her posture of stillness, I think even more impressive because yeah. she's, she's just good at a lot of things. So I'm grateful for her and perspectives like hers and people that are pastoring with that kind of like long game wisdom. I just think it's really necessary and needed right now. Absolutely. And that concept of being rooted uh, in the love of God, because that love never changes. Like a lot of times we can like, Oh yeah. just kind of touch on the love of God, but be rooted in other things, right? Be rooted in, whether it's your own giftedness or whatever else you're rooted in. But this fact, it's kind of what you talk about. Uh, somebody who's being still will also be rooted in God's love. And and we know it, but just to hear it again, that that love never changes. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that, that concept of rootedness, because there's a depth to it. Uh, there's a permanence to it uh, that, that you were getting at too, because we can pastor or we can, uh, just serve others out of so many things when really it should be a fruit of our rootedness in God's love uh, for us and for others. And so that reminder for me was really, really powerfully helpful. In like 30 seconds or so, how would you encourage someone to do that? Cause I feel like sometimes these metaphors of like being rooted or, you know, he's the vine where the branches like can feel hard to grasp at times. Is like, is there like a, like a quick and easy piece of advice you give to someone that asks the question, how do I actually do that? How am I actually rooted in God? Yeah, I think there, you know, we can't talk about being rooted without talking about our prayer lives and being in his word, uh, not just to check it off, but to have that a part of us. Yeah. The other one you talk about a lot, but I think is interesting in our current um, situation, and that's to take breaks and to Mm. Sabbath and to uh, not always have to be producing, but to spend time um, in God's word, in his love. Uh, knowing that we're accepted uh, by for who we are and not what we do. I think those are some important ones. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a hard thing to do in a culture that so values running and, mm. and producing. So yeah, uh, hopefully that helps you. Thank you to Kelly Skiles uh, for doing that for us. Well, coming up next, uh, we're going to talk about Dr. Fauci and something he said. We're going to do that here on The Common Good AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey everyone, it's Ian Simpkins here. And I remember the first time that I actually learned about Thriving Financial. I was pastoring a church in Bartlett and me and two other pastors had this dream, this idea to better care for the marriages in our communities. And so we started to dream up this conference idea. What if we actually hosted a local conference to pour into marriages and couples in our churches, in our neighborhoods, in our communities and Thriving Financial kind of came alongside and not only like made the conference possible, 
but they were actually interested in partnering with us as churches, as pastors, to help people not only be wise with money, but to live more generously, which was always a value that I had and always struggled to find organizations that actually wanted to help our churches do that. And so that's actually kind of the beginning of what's been a really beautiful journey and relationship with Thrive and to actually be wise with money, to live generously and to help other people do the same. And so if that interests you, I'd encourage you to go to Thrivent.com to learn more. Coming up this hour, we're going to talk about what Dr. Fauci said in an interview this morning, and then we're going to have a discussion with Grant Stenzel from Stenzel Clinical Services. That's coming up next on The Common Good. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Glad to have you with us on this Tuesday evening. You can find us on Facebook at the Common Good Radio Show, on Twitter at Common Good Talk, online 1160hope.com, and find our podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. Subscribe, rate, review, uh, rate it again, subscribe again. Just keep doing it. You know, what else are you doing on these days at home? You, you know, are you drunk right now? What's happening? <laughs> so that was like the most carnival barker I've ever heard you sound. That was- the most carnival barker. I'm gonna. That's gonna be my goal to go more carnival barker. <laughs> I can't wait to just look back on this couple of months or whatever that ends up being, and yeah. just hearing the decline for both of us. <laughs> yes, it just goes down and down and down. <laughs> oh, uh, I do want to tell you about some good news. Something that uh, we're proud to be doing at AM 1160 because during the coronavirus pandemic. We know that so many businesses have had to close their doors or reduce their hours. And we know that there are still many businesses that are open and serving the public as best they can. So here's what we're going to do. If you own or run a business that's open and operating, we want to help you get the word out. So right now, go to 1160hope.com slash open for business. That's all one word, 1160hope.com slash open for business fill out the brief form, and we'll be compiling all of that information and sharing it with our listeners. And here's the best part. This is totally free. There's no catch to this. So go to 1160hope.com slash open for business. I'm excited that we're doing that. That seems like something that could be very helpful for people. It just seems like a, like a good idea too. I've been trying to think really strategically, like how can we better use, you know, this platform and this opportunity? It's one of the things I've, I've really appreciated. And, you know, we had a couple in the first hour of friends who have been sending in audio, of just their reactions or the ways that they're processing through this all. I would love to see more of that. I, I love that idea though, of, of helping people better, uh, understand what businesses are still open because it's a question that I hear all the time and it doesn't seem like there's always a whole lot of like centralized information to yeah. get to. So I'm, I'm glad that we're doing that. Absolutely. So uh, in this time of global pandemic and as it, things kind of are increasingly getting ramped up in our country, um, it can become really overwhelming, right? Like yeah. um, you've got literally as you're watching CNN and, or, or any of these channels and you're seeing the numbers of sick and dying going up to just anecdotal stories where I was just reading earlier uh, of a, of a older couple in, in the North suburbs of Chicago uh, in their eighties who died hours apart from the virus or uh, things like that. And it can become really overwhelming and rightfully so. Uh, but that's why I found it uh, somewhat comforting uh, to see and read the interview of Dr. Anthony Fauci. Mm. Uh, 
are you like me, man? Like before I read what he said, when you see Dr. Fauci, do you like listen more intently? Like, okay, this is the guy I need to listen to right now. Yeah, he definitely has that sort of uh, lean in quality to him. I'm not quite sure what it is, but even even if you disagree with him, he's certainly he's got a, an authority type of yes. air to him that uh, in a time of like chaos and worry, I think a lot of people find weirdly comforting. Absolutely. So if you're not aware of Dr. Uh, Fauci, Dr. Anthony Fauci is the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. So he's kind of been at the forefront. He's the one who's given a lot of the information and uh, he's working very closely with the president uh, and uh, making a lot around. So today he was on CNN. And just let me read to you some of what he said. I'd be interested to know if you found it as encouraging as I did, because he's been the one who's just been very honest about everything, right? Like, right. nope, this is what's going to happen. Right. And I feel like he gave a really honest assessment today. Uh, Dr. Fauci told Americans on Tuesday that we can, quote, get over this if we continue to observe strict shutdowns and social distancing. We really have to hang in there, Fauci told CNN. So let's all hang in there together. We will get over this and this will end. Even as Fauci suggested that the Centers for Disease Control may order all Americans to wear masks outside, Fauci said that the strategy so far is working as well as could be expected. We do believe it's working, he said. It's hard. It's not an easy thing to do. There's suffering and there's death and there's massive inconvenience economically and otherwise but we're really a strong nation. We've been through some amazing things uh, in our history. So Fauci made news by saying that the National Coronavirus Task Force will discuss uh, requiring face coverings and some other things. But even today, as we get news that, you know, uh, the shelter in place or the stay-at-home directive in Illinois and other places, sounds like it's going to go for longer uh, to hear the kind of the guy who's really the face of this and doing a lot of the talking saying it's working, it's hard. We're in this together. There's going to be an end to this. Yeah. And when I heard that, even though a lot of people are saying that when I heard Fauci say that, that really encouraged me and kind of bolstered me to be like, okay, let's keep going. Uh, let's keep following the directives here. Well, I think there's another lesson to be learned here too. I think part of why what he says resonates is because you believe him like it's honest and it That's doesn't right. pretend that there isn't suffering and difficulty and fear. And I think like I was surprised even from this last weekend, uh, how many people shared with me what stood out to them from the message was just the vulnerability, the, mm. the honesty, which is interesting because that's not, that doesn't typically tend to be the stuff I think preachers spend the most of their time working on. Like we want like a quote that's really going to resonate or, like some really good insight into the Greek or some really good, you know, help, help with our biblical literacism or whatever that is right, like your, right. our motives. To, and I think those are usually, you know, pretty pure motives. We want to preach well. And I think we want to show that we've done the work and we've listened to God, but consistently though, what people tend to give feedback regarding tends to be somewhere in the area of thanks for just shooting us straight. Thanks for being vulnerable. Thanks for, right. which I honestly don't think I've always done very well at, you know, there's this, sense. And we've talked about this before. And I imagine Fauci feels to some degree like, all right, I'm the guy. So I got to, I got to be more positive than what I'm actually feeling, or I need to, you know, fudge the number, you know, whatever those temptations are. I think part of what I appreciate, even about what he says here, um, we're a really strong nation. 
He's yeah. not saying we're the best nation ever. We're the, we've number one and we're always been number one. And that's the way it is. Like there's an honesty in saying, yeah, we're a really strong nation. We've been through some tough stuff and there's suffering and there's massive inconvenience and stuff's going to be hard. Like I think at our core, everyone really wants that kind of honesty and that kind of vulnerability. And it's, it is refreshing, I guess, in some capacity to see that from the people at the top or the people with the microphone, whether it's politics or uh, church gatherings or whatever. And I think uh, there's a lesson to be learned in that too about how to, how to lead with integrity and honesty and vulnerability um, yeah. and obviously finding a balance within that. But uh, yeah, I found that, I found that remarkably refreshing. And I found the timing of it to be helpful too of like, that message of, Hey, we need to be reminded that we're all in this together. Yeah. Because right. Exactly. There is a sense. Yeah, we're all locked in our houses and I don't know, you've probably had the thought like, is this making a difference? Like, yeah, does this right. matter? Like I'm, I know they're telling me it is, right. but to hear him come out today and be like, listen, it's making a difference. Like I think good leadership also does that. Like it continues to paint the picture as to what we're heading towards. Right. Uh, like you said, with honesty, but also saying, Hey guys, keep going, persevere. Yes. Cause, cause this is making a difference where there's going to be an end. We're going to come out. I was, I was actually just really surprised uh, how much uh, comfort I took from hearing those words from specifically from him today. Right. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think it was Max Lucado who talks about, leadership being the clearing of the fog from the summit, you know, so he's, his mm. image was like uh, a whole caravan of people and they're, they're hiking up a mountain, but when the fog covers the destination, that's when, you know, the group gathered tends to look inward and they start grumbling or they start getting despondent. The leader's role in his words is to clear the fog from the peak. And I've always really appreciated that imagery, like good leadership isn't just patting everyone on the back or painting a rosier picture than it actually is, but saying, Hey, let's not forget that's where we're going. And I think Fauci, yeah. at least to some degree was like, Hey, there's still a long way to walk here to keep this metaphor going. And it's going to, we're going to hit some rough turns, but that's the peak. That's the summit that like clearing the fog of the destination, I think is a, a helpful posture of leadership. Absolutely. So I wanted to start with that this hour, just to give us a reminder, this is the guy who it seems to be the guy who knows more than anybody saying, keep going. Uh, it's making a difference. We've got to keep doing this together. Uh, I think that's a great message for all of us to hear. Well, coming up next, Grant Stenzel, uh, a licensed uh, counselor, president and owner of Stenzel Clinical, uh, is going to come on to talk about how do we find peace in the midst of all of this craziness. That's coming up next year on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Glad to have you joining us on this Tuesday afternoon. Uh, you know, as Ian and I have been saying over the last week or two, it's our goal to have in uh, many different voices and especially in this time where we're processing and a lot of us are feeling anxiety and fear, we thought it would be great to talk to, uh, to a licensed clinical counselor. And we've got an old friend, Grant Stenzel uh, from Stenzel Clinical, uh, who is joining us right now. Grant is the owner and the president of Stenzel Clinical Services in Wheaton, Naperville, Schaumburg, and Geneva. Grant, thanks so much for joining us, bud. Hey, it's good being here. Good seeing you, or hearing you guys, I guess. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Hey, I'm just curious, kind of big picture, 
what's it like for you to be in the uh, in the field uh, that you're in in this kind of really unsettled and crazy time? Do you know what? it's uh, first and foremost just an honor uh, to be able to be in the sacred space uh, of ministering to people. Hmm. You know, I'll say that from the positive, from the negative, it, it's tough. People are hurting. People are hmm. anxious. People are scared. People are afraid. Families are fighting. Um, and so it's, it's tough, tough work, but the Lord is, uh, you know, helping us through and helping us minister, uh, to those who are home and those who are, are out, um, you know, just to be able to find some peace during this time. So could you give us some, uh, some practical wisdom for how to actually, cause I feel like I hear a lot of preachers, a lot of pastors, a lot of leaders talking about finding peace. Uh, but you're a practitioner. I'm wondering if there's any sort of nuts and bolts stuff that you could offer to our listeners to help them find some peace amidst the chaos right now? Yeah, sure. I'd love to. Um, one of my favorite passages of scripture is the Garden of Gethsemane. And um, I love Jesus comes to the uh, three disciples and says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Mm. Stay here and keep watch with me. And as I've been meditating on that, I kind of came up with four points of helping people walk through this. Hmm. Um, I have A, B, C, and D, so it's really easy to remember. But the first is A, is admit you're struggling. I, I think so many people are trying to prove to themselves or other how strong they are and how they're going to get through this. You know, Jesus admitted being overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Right. Jesus admitted his, his weakness, his struggle, and it takes courage to say, hey, struggling. This is hard for us. I love Ecclesiastes. It says sorrow is better than laughter because a sad face is good for the heart. The Lord wants us to be honest with our emotions. The Lord wants to be honest with our weakness. He wants us to say, hey, I need help. And I think that's so, so important. I think people feel guilty or ashamed that they're struggling so much. I'm like, you know what? That's the gospel. Our, Our part that we bring is the struggle. What God brings is grace and mercy and his son. Hmm. And so, so A is admit you're struggling. B is believe you have someone who cares about you in Jesus. I love, you know, Jesus is a man of sorrows. But it says in Hebrews that he is our high priest who is um, able to sympathize with our weaknesses. And because of him, we can approach the throne of grace with confidence hmm. so that we may receive mercy and find grace. And so we have a savior that understands sorrow that understands hurt, that understands stress. And, you know, it says an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him in the garden in in, uh, Luke. And so just knowing you're a daughter or a son of the king of the universe, Hmm. and he wants you to come into his throne room, and you go past all the guards, you go past all the people, and you sit on daddy's lap and share with your godly father, Abba, that you're struggling, that you're hurting, and he wants you to know that he cares. And then Jesus wants you to know that he understands. He is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. So that's A and B. And then C is communicate your needs to others, which is what Jesus did. He said, stay here and keep watch with me. Now, unfortunately, the three fell asleep. Um, So sometimes people will disappoint us, and that's a reality. And I know I struggle myself, and sometimes when I think people are going to disappoint me, I won't ask. But God calls us to ask. God calls us to step out and to trust. And so trusting friends, family, your church, asking for what you need, asking for help, asking for prayer, asking for words of encouragement, 
uh, help with finances, groceries, whatever you need. It takes humility, which the Lord loves. He exalts humility. He gives grace to us when we're humble, is asking others what we need. And you know what? So often we love to be blessed by ministering to others. I love, I love being a counselor. I love being a preacher. I love ministering to others because it's such a blessing to me. And we don't want to rob that blessing from other people, other people that can help us, love us, care for us. And we don't want to rob that blessing. Mm. So A, B, C, D, and lastly is devote yourself to prayer. Is this is a time that we are called to pray for our government, pray for our first responders, pray for uh, medical workers, pray for family. You know, a lot of us are at home feeling useless right now because you're not working. You know, you're just at home and you're stuck. You're not useless when you're on your knees. Mm. You know, that is the greatest thing you can do. Our, our highest mm. value at Stunzel Clinical is the power of prayer. And we believe very, very strongly that prayer is what changes things. And so praying for our country, praying for our world, praying for the power of God to come down. And so obviously you're bringing then the power of God into the situation and then you're not useless. You know, you're not feeling useless. You yeah. are now being a part of what God's work is. Yeah. And as well as all prayer always gives um, perspective. You know, in First Thessalonians, it says, be joyful always, pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Yeah. And when we're praying and we're coming to God, we, we realize that we have a God that takes care of our needs and that creates thankfulness, that creates gratefulness. And so, um, so my ABCD is, you know, admit that it's hard. Be honest with God. Believe that Jesus cares, loves you, sympathizes, understands. You know what? Communicate your needs to friends and devote yourself to prayer. That'd be kind of my... A, B, C, D, uh, quick scriptural and psychological way of coping with this situation right now. That's really good, good man. man. I appreciate that. Uh, when, when we don't admit that we're struggling, when we kind of are like, nope, I'm good, what, what's the result in our lives when we are struggling but won't admit it? Well, A, no one's going to help us. Yeah. Um, B, you can't fix a problem unless you know what is there. Hmm. You know, and, and A and C, it, it, it's, it's a lack of humility. We all hmm. struggle. I tell you what, I've been struggling. I've quarantined myself for the last week. My, my daughter just got back from a mission trip. And so, and then she actually coughed on me right as she got home. I'm like, yay. Um, neither of us have any symptoms, but I've kind of quarantined myself for uh, 14 days, just, you know, out of, um, you know, social distancing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I would say is, is this has been hard for me. You know, yeah. and, and when I say, you know, to my wife or my kids or my friends, I'm struggling. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm struggling with compassion fatigue or I'm just struggling to be at home and stuck and, and going crazy. I think it's good to admit because then we can find hope. Then we can find peace. Then we can find God and then we can get help from others. Hmm. So I'm curious um, for someone that's listening, maybe they heard that A and they're like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to admit that I'm struggling. Uh, how would they get a hold of you? Like what are the ways right now in this very unique cultural moment that someone listening right now could connect with you or your team and what you guys do? Well, I mean, they can call us or visit our website, stenzelclinical.com. We're doing online counseling. We have over 40 Christian therapists on staff. And so kind of a fit for anyone, wow. you know, whatever, pretty much anything you're struggling with, there's some, there's a therapist that specializes in it and we will wow. set you up with the right therapist to be able to minister to you where you are to care for you and, and to hear and understand and, and meet you and walk with you down the path of healing. 
That's awesome. Grant, with like the last minute we have left, uh, I know you're a counselor, you've been a pastor. Why don't you speak a word of hope to our people out there, regardless of where they're at? Why don't you take our last minute and do that? Sure. Well, there is hope and Jesus Christ is our hope. And we know this world is not our home. And, you know, no matter how bad it gets, we have the hope of heaven. We have the hope of a God who loves us and cares for us and takes care of us. And you know what? We know that this is eventually going to get better and we're going to be outside. And as difficult as this is, it does bring perspective. I think it helps us get a better look at life. Because, you know, just a few months ago, everything was fragile. Everything was, you know, kind of trite, if you think about it. And now we're thinking about family. We're thinking about God. We're thinking about Mm -hmm. important things. And so um, difficult times have a unique way of bringing perspective that easy times don't. I mean, the, the scriptures say, you know, count it all joy. You know, when you are suffering, when the testing of your faith, because that's what develops character and character mm. develops hope. That's great. Well, you've been listening to Grant Stenzel. Grant is uh, the owner and president of Stenzel Clinical Services. Grant, we really appreciate you, man. Thanks for coming on today. Hey, so great, great talking to you guys. Thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're listening to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside E.M. Simpkins. My name is Brian Fromm. Thanks for being with us on this Tuesday. That was uh, real nice, Brian. That sounded really... Uh, better really than last time? Really well. No, no, they both were good. This okay. one just felt really like... Like you were welcoming a friend into your den, which I am. Well, they, they're not allowed. They're not allowed into my den. I, right it's now. like your it's your digital den. I can say my that because den. <laughs> neither of us have dens. I don't think we do not. We do not. But if I did, they would not be allowed there. But I would like to think <laughs> that they could be there. So, uh, yeah, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. Find our podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. And uh, one thing that we keep talking about in the midst of this COVID-19, this coronavirus pandemic, uh, is the difference it is making in church now and the difference that it may or may not have in the church going forward. Like, how will the church be different when we go end up going two months, three months with not physically being together? And I feel like we're, I don't know if you feel this way, but we're kind of getting past like that initial rush of like, here's what we have to do. We got to do this to be online. And now it's kind of settled in. Like, how are we going to function right as the church? Are you feeling that way a little bit? Oh, for sure. I think that there is a, I don't know that I would say rhythm just yet, but there certainly is a hunkering down of like, okay, this isn't a scramble to pull it off mode. This is a, how do we think long-term strategically mode? Absolutely. And so I think the churches are going to be wrestling with that now. But then when things go back to, if you could see me putting up air quotes, normal, uh, whenever that is, or if that ever is, and uh, what are churches going to do? And so with that in mind, there's an article at the Religion News uh, written by Christopher Smith entitled this, COVID-19 could end church as we know it, and I feel fine. What's he (laughs) saying here? Well, first, I just want to say... uh, this guy's brilliant. He actually wrote a book called Slow Church. And we had him at our church when I was pastoring in Poplar to like do a workshop on the book. Really? Uh, that The full title is Slow Church, Cultivating Community in the Patient Way of Jesus. Brilliant book, brilliant author, brilliant thinker. He also, um, he's also the founding editor of the Englewood Review of Books. So in general, head over there just to see the work they're doing because I think it's incredible. But I want to read a little bit of the beginning of the article and see how much time we have because I think it's really good. 
So he says the coronavirus pandemic has quickly swept the globe, throwing just about every human institution into chaos. Faith communities are no exception. You and I, Brian, have both talked about that. That's right. Uh, With gatherings restricted in size or prohibited altogether, many houses of worship are fighting to stay connected, rapidly weighing technological options to keep as many people as possible engaged. This involves a good deal of trial and error. We've also been there. Congregational leaders find themselves relying on multiple digital tools, some of which they have never used before, to connect themselves to their members and to keep their members caring for each other. I think that's an important distinction, by the way, not just informing people, but also helping people care for each other. Uh, As stressful as these times are, they have provided an extraordinary opportunity in my Christian community to reflect on our identity and mission as the church and to imagine ways of being more connected than ever with our fellow church members. In normal times, most churches plow forward without much reflection on identity and mission. Now they have the chance to do something new, and I challenge churches to take a wee bit of time to reflect together on questions like these. What is the church? A building? A particular gathering? A community? What is worship? What really matters in a worship service? And given the limits forced on us by this pandemic, which technological tools can best help us embody our identity and mission. With more than a decade of experience in the IT industry, I am keenly aware that our technological decisions shape who we become. Our decisions now will shape us not just over the span of this pandemic, but beyond it as well. The nature of Christianity will shape those decisions. Following its Jewish roots, Christianity is primarily a social faith embodied in communities that express this faith in their everyday lives. Christianity is also incarnational, highly valuing bodily presence, both the presence of God with us and our presence with one another. We have no greater gift to give one another than our full undivided presence and attention. The Apostle Paul imagines the church as the body of Christ, a powerful metaphor of interactive community in which there are no extraneous members and in which everyone has a role to play. We are called to be active participants in our faith, not just passive consumers of religion. So what do these essential convictions mean for our choices about technology and connection? So before I get to some of that, um, how would you answer some of those questions? Mainly that last one. What do these convictions mean for our choices about how we strategize going forward? It's, it's so weird, man. When I read articles like this, I I go, I don't think this deeply about things. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I should have confessed that, but it's too late now. It is an an excellent time for us to go. What is the church? What role does technology play? Because right now technology is playing a huge role, but you know, going forward, how, what does it mean for us to be connected as a church uh, all of these are such good questions, and then to come at it from the from the uh, the side of technology, uh, I do love when they say, "Hey, we've got to be driven by our essential convictions," instead of like, "Hey, cool, let's use this technology, let's do right. this, let's right. do this," because that's what we do a lot of times. It's just what's the next thing we can try, and we don't give a lot of thought to how does this get birthed out of our essential convictions. Right, and I do think that's something important for the church, all of us, to be doing during this time of slowdown and having things stripped away. Like what are our convictions about what the church is, what it means to be the church. And so, yeah, man, these convictions, I think are things we all need to wrestle with. Uh, How would you answer that question? Well, I want to, rather than hear me talk, I kind of want to get to what he wrote because I see what you did there. I I think it's, I just think it's important. (laughs) Three headings. Uh, One, not all technological platforms are created equal Two, medium to large churches may want to foster smaller groups and three, don't rule out the possibility of legal, healthy, physical presence. So that one might be a little scandalizing, right? Um, yeah. 
But the first one, he says, uh, not tech, all technological platforms are created equal. He says, some technologies allow us to be more present than others. And then he kind of talks about with Zoom and Google Hangouts, you know, it allows participants to be seen and heard where Facebook Live is, is kind of still just designed for passive consumption, which is something that I've been feeling a lot of. I think a lot of pastors, well-intending pastors, uh, are, you know, sharing four or five mini sermons every day now. And we are still consuming them, which I think is good. That's a good kind of to break the monotony a little bit. But are there more like interactive options? When he talks about medium to large churches wanting to foster smaller groups, he says, while a larger Sunday service is probably best as a webcast, small groups should be encouraged to meet using video conferencing, which is something at community that we're, we're doing. And it's something that we had already offered before all of this. So I feel really blessed and fortunate that we already kind of had some understanding of the infrastructure to be able to implement it at this level. Um, but I would love to know what you think of this last one. Don't rule out the possibility of legal, healthy, physical presence. He says, especially in climates warm enough for people to be outdoors, churches are finding creative ways for smaller groups of people to come together outdoors with necessary health precautions. As long as it's not legally restricted, church members can interact with social distancing on porches in backyards and in a walking, running or other exercise group that doesn't require close proximity. Uh, one local pastor I know visits church members on his daily run, stopping by their houses and talking with them outside. What do you, what do you think of that particular approach? Uh, I think he, the important part here is what's not legally restricted. Like I do think in this season, uh, the church, you know, we spent a lot when this all first started about loving our neighbor, loving our neighbor. I don't think the church can give any impression that it's pushing the limits. Um, and, and so that's the one spot where I'd be uncomfortable. Uh, but when, you know, if, if there start to be ways that the, that the elite, that the doctors and the government are saying, no, this is okay. I think that's okay to start introducing, uh, a, you know, like he said, possibility of legal, healthy, physical presence. Uh, I'll probably be slower to do that, to be honest with you. Like yeah. I will probably not be one who's pushing. Uh, I'm probably going to be one to, to kind of lag behind a little bit, but I do think, as this goes, we are so going to be longing for physical presence that I could totally see that. What do you think? Well, I think, um, gosh, I'm torn. I think a lot of it has to come down to the significance with which you hold the theology of the body of incarnational theology and how important that is, because I think yep. it is easy. And I do hear a lot of this right now, like, hey, we, we're pretty much accomplishing everything we normally would accomplish just digitally. And I'm like, yeah, but right. that's different, though, not right. just in practice but in theology and doctrine, like there is something sacred that happens when we share physical space with one another. Um, right. And I, I am torn now, obviously keeping all social distance rules in place. Like I've seen people go for walks where one person walks in the street along the curb, and the other person's on the sidewalk, you know, like right. having those kinds of precautions. Um, I think they're, I think they're worth considering. I think if, yeah. if we allow ourselves to too easily kind of fall into the lull of like, Nope, this is all perfectly fine. Just doing everything via a screen. I think, uh, I think we'll be surprised by how much that forms us. I agree. I just don't want to see churches be like, Hey, we found this little bit of a loophole. We're going to push the limits here. Yeah. I agree uh, with that. I think that sends a bad message too, but I agree. I think when the day comes when we can all be together, we're going to be reminded of no, the church is meant to be physically together. <laughs> like yeah, it's absolutely this longing. Well, uh, we're going to take a chance today. We're going to come back and end our show the way we always do with interweb insanity. Uh, it didn't go so well yesterday, but today's our day. I can feel it. <laughs> Today is going to be better. That's coming up next year on The Common Good, AM 1160. Hope for your life. 
Hey everyone, it's Ian Simpkins here. And after I had this experience with Thrivent where we were able to host this marriage conference with two other churches in the area, uh, my interest was kind of piqued with regards to what kind of organization this was. And it was really fascinating because they approached me, who was pastoring a church in Bartlett, and they said, we actually provide these free workshops for people that want to be wise with money and live generously. And so they sent me this link, and it was all these different topics, questions that people in my church actually were asking. And so it was remarkable. They hosted this workshop uh, a number of times in the coming months for people in our church to do just that, to to be wise with money and to live generously. And that's kind of how this relationship began because there was this no strings attached kind of mentality. It was just their heart to give back, to partner with pastors and churches to help people uh, live generously, to be wise with money and live generously. And that was kind of the continuation of my relationship with them. And so if you're interested in learning more, I can't encourage you enough to head to Thrivent.com today. Here's some weird stuff we found on the internet. <clears throat> Here's some more weird stuff we found on the web. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. We're going to end our show the way we always do. Crazy stories from the interwebs. Interweb insanity. Uh, stories found by our producers, either PJ or Keith, that we have not seen. We hope this provides laugh and not cringe, but we'll do it with you. Before we do it, Ian, tell us again about Thrivent. I would love to tell you about Thrivent, Brian. Thrivent, Thrivent Financial, to use its full title, is a Fortune 500 not-for-profit. They've been around over 100 years. I'm a Thrivent member, have been for a long time. And uh, they have some opportunities that I think might appeal to some of you listening. So if you're looking for a career change, which I know a lot of us are, you're entrepreneurial or you're good with money or you like coming alongside people. Maybe you just want to work for a Christian organization. They're just some of the best. So you can learn more at thrivent.com slash careers, or you can call 630-598-2128. That's 630-598-2128. And I cannot recommend enough that you do that. All right. I'm nervous. Let's do it. You take the first one. I don't want to. Yes, you do. Do I have to? You do. It's in it's our contract. The, it's it's out of the contract. Okay. It's out of the UK. That's probably a good sign, right? <laughs> no? All right. Two-year-old gets council tax demand for hundreds of pounds in... What's that? Soliol. So, what is Soliol. it? Soliol. Is, is that a city? I think so. <laughs> Gosh. Council mix-up sees toddler wrongly sent enforcement letters warning that he owes a sizable sum of money. A Solihill man was astonished when letters claiming that his two-year-old son owed hundreds of pounds in council tax dropped through the door. Jeff Lee from Castle Bromwich was surprised when the post addressed to his youngest boy, Benjamin, was delivered last week. And he was even more puzzled to find inside enforcement letters warning that the toddler was in arrears. 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 I've never used that word in my life. <laughs> two, for two properties, he was purported to own in other parts of the borough. Fortunately, the father of five saw the funny side of the blunder, although he is at a loss to how the warnings wound up addressed to someone who has yet to start school, never mind to get on the property ladder. It's my money and I need it now. It's my money and I need it now. It's my money and I need it now. All right, next one out of Australia. Australia's got to be good, right? This is going to be easy. Submariners on mission last to learn about global pandemic. Oh, no. Of a world in coronavirus turmoil, they may know little or nothing. Submariners stealthily cruising the ocean deeps 
purposefully shielded from the worldly worries to encourage undivided focus on their top secret missions of nuclear deterrence may be among the last pockets of people anywhere who are still blissfully unaware of how the pandemic is turning life upside down. Oh, my word. Uh, Mariners aboard ballistic submarines are habitually spared bad news while underwater to avoid undermining their morale, say current and former officers who served aboard France's nuclear armed subs. So any crews that left port before the virus spread around the globe are likely being kept in the dark about the extent of the rapidly unfurling crisis by their commanders until their return, they say. They won't know, uh, said the retired admiral. Uh, The boys need to be completely available for their mission. Oh, have you not heard? It was my understanding that everyone had heard. Well, isn't that a story? Why don't we stay international and go Canada? They'll never let us down. <laughs> Hamilton cops charge man with selling cocaine, comma, operating non-essential business. <laughs> <laughs> Hamilton police have laid trafficking charges against an alleged drug dealer and slapped on a fine for operating a non-essential business. Uh, Jerome Stewart says drug unit officers began following an aggressive driver on Friday. He says the driver allegedly made several stops to conduct drug deals for officers arrested and for trafficking around 8 p.m. Stewart says police seized cocaine and cash. He says they also issued the man a ticket under Ontario's Emergency Management and Civil Protection Act, invoked in mid-March in an effort to fight the COVID-19 pandemic. Stewart says drug dealing is not an essential service, and the man faces a $750 fine if found guilty on that charge. Because drugs are bad, okay? All right, we're staying staying international. Belarus. Belarus president believes vodka and saunas will cure coronavirus. This is not a public service announcement. (laughs) Uh, The president of Belarus is insisting that vodka and saunas will cure the coronavirus while claiming nations that have gone into lockdown are in the throes of a psychosis. President Alexander Lukashenko has insisted the European uh, Eastern European nation of nearly 9.5 million remain open for business and even took part in a packed ice hockey match on Saturday. It's better to die standing than to live on your knees, he said. The best antivirus remedy is sports. There are no viruses here, he said of the ice rink, insisting I don't see them. (laughs) He attacked the psychosis that is crippling other nations' economies, saying the world has gone mad and offering what he says are those simple solutions. Clear alcohols are for rich women on diets. We should also say that psychosis is in quotes in this article, just so everyone is true painfully clear here also i mean props to you on lukashenko though that was that was an that was an endeavor all right so we're gonna end not international but it's a constant but it's what it's good it is good semi-carrying 500 no fifty-five thousand pounds of cheese crashes in milwaukee why is that good because it's so milwaukee come on it's a truck that crashed. All right. Luckily, no one was seriously line. injured after a truck carrying 55,000 pounds of cheese tumbled over an interstate in Milwaukee Saturday. The Milwaukee County Sheriff's Office says the crash involving the cheese truck happened on southbound I-43 near North Avenue Saturday afternoon. The driver of the truck was brought to a local hospital where he was treated for minor injuries, according to the Sheriff's Office. No word on the state of the 55,000 pounds of cheese, though. Cheese, it's good. I mean, that story's good, right? Because no one was seriously injured. Uh, you you could not be good. I mean, I'm glad no one's injured, but I wouldn't call it a good story. I couldn't have thought of a cheddar way to finish the show today. Oh, boy. <laughs> Jeez, Louise. <laughs>
<laughs> well done, man. It was a good show today. Yeah, it was glad. an okay show. It was okay. It was a show. <laughs> it happened. We're glad you joined us. Ian and I will be back tomorrow from four until six. We hope you join us. Thanks for listening today. This is The Common Good, AM 1160. Hope for your life.